Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. Hey guys, sorry we've been gone, but we're back so the party could start. Today we're going to introduce you to some of our local conventions and talk small con atmosphere. Then we're going to have a discussion for you to listen in on all about Kickstarter ethics, things you should know, and most importantly, how to not be an ass online. We'll finish up with our newly minted crowdfunding roundup. All that and more on this episode of the Dapper Meeple. All right, so welcome to episode 20. Like, I feel this is like kind of a milestone, right? Like two tens, it's a big deal or something. I mean, uh, allegedly, we're almost at 21, and then you like go get drunk or something like that. I don't know if that happens in the episode <laughs> world, but, you know, age, episode, whatever, same thing. Yeah, veteran yeah. podcasters, let us know. We're, what are you supposed to celebrate? Yeah. <laughs> is this like a, a silver milestone or like, <laughs> I don't know quite where we're at. Uh, so we uh, took a week off. Uh, it's been a little crazy around here. Uh, we got some other stuff coming on. Um, I talked to a good friend of ours um, from our local game store who runs his own podcast, and he's excited about coming over and being a guest and being able to swap some stories. If you're interested in checking him out, Montel's podcast is Blurticorn, and it is geek and nerd culture from his perspective, and he is an older African-American guy, great little goatee, uh, cool dude. Um, but just kind of a different take on a lot of things and they just kind of chat and talk on his show and it's pretty good. So, um, if you're interested, I know, uh, you guys, if you listen to us, if you can find us, you can find him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks or in the next couple of episodes. Um, but I mean, really it's been busy. Yeah. We've just had a lot of stuff going on. Um, just life stuff mostly. Yeah. Uh, but we did get a chance to go to Tidewater Comic-Con. Yes. Uh, which was not this past weekend, but the one before. Um, and yeah, it was it was cool. That was my first year going. Uh, I had I didn't get to go or they canceled it last year. Right. Because of COVIDs. I think they've been. I think it's been two years now. Been two been, years. Yeah. yeah, that would be about right, because that would explain why I haven't been um, yet. But I thought it was a really good showing, too. Yes. I mean, there seemed to be a ton of people there. Right. Because um, it's a two day con. Yep. Um, and we showed up on Sunday. Yep. Um, there was a lot of, like a lot of our local vendors, of course, were there. Um, you know, the board game stores, things like that they had. Um, it was nice to see Bella Books have a good showing. I saw them there, um, yeah. Which, in, for those of you who are not local, um, is a they are tucked away in a nice antique store. Um, they're like the upper level of the antique store, but they have all kinds of like, um, pops and stuff like that kind of um, they're also tied in with another store that does like older figurines and stuff like that so it was cool to see them um, have their own booth set up there uh, that was pretty busy yeah. what I could tell all day all day on Sunday so that was cool um, we had a couple of celebrity guests right yeah. I mean we get uh, and it's kind of it's kind of the last time we did Hampton I think that they were both there but um, Brandon Roth who has played the Adam, who has played Superman, uh, he was in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, he was there, and then John Wesley Ships, who was the original 
uh, Flash on TV. Yep. Uh, I think he did a cameo appearance, too, on the new Flash, the TV show. Yeah. Well, yep. he plays his father in the new one. Yeah. Yeah, the one that was locked in jail. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. Uh, who else did we have? We had a couple other. Um, we kind of get, when you get into these small cons, and that's one of the things we were just kind of talking about, is like these smaller conventions, which are still really good, it's a little different. Like, you'll get some artists and stuff that may not be as well known. What was the one that I really I saw in there? Uh, Irene Bettard, who was the voice of Pocahontas in Disney's uh-huh. Pocahontas. Uh, Renee Jacobs, who voiced April O'Neil in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Uh, who else was in here that we had that was good? There was a bunch of artists. Um, the lady who uh, did the voice work for uh, Dolores from Encanto was also there. She was one of the headliners. Oh, yeah. Adasa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Adasa was there who was, yeah, one of the voices from Encanto. Um, I hadn't seen it because I don't want any more stuff stuck in my head that I can't get out. Um, they are some very catchy songs. That's what I hear. Damn you, Lynn Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Karen Whitfield uh, was the Bronze Age Batgirl. She was there. Oh yeah, I did. I did actually see her at the table, and I was at first I was like, oh, who are you? And then I read the sign, and I was like, oh, that's who you are. Uh, <laughs> and Benjamin Banks from the Level Up, uh, yeah, Leveling Up podcast. Yes, that was the other podcast table that we saw. And of course, we've got our local five hundred first Legion. We've got the Mandalorian Mercs. Rebel Legion and the Hampton Roads Droid Builders, and they kind of make it to all the cons. So, uh, my favorite part: we got there. My wife and I got there a little bit before you guys, um, so we did a quick like run around before y'all got there. And they had, uh, I think it was the one guy and his wife who were running the Droid Builders booth. Um, she was like climbing into the the one droid, yeah, um, and he was like handed her the controller, like putting the top on and stuff. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, At least he was nice enough to give her the controller. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just cap her in there and then drive her into walls. Oh, they must be having a they must be having a tiff. Yeah, but uh, one thing I really liked um, the difference between like this this level of con versus like like packs and Gen Con uh, and the yeah the big ones. Yeah, I like that. Obviously, it was a con we could do in a day, which is, is nice. Um, but I like seeing a lot of the local artists and stuff. Yes, there was a lot of that there. Yeah. So there were uh, quite a few people with doing handmade stuff. And I mean, some of it was more appealing to me than others. But I mean, they all seem to be doing business. Yes. Which is, is excellent for, a, you know, a local artist like that. Right. Good job. You survived through what is hopefully the worst part of COVID. Yeah. And now you're still able to show up here and still do well. Yeah. There was, um, I mean, it was all kinds of crazy stuff. There was, uh, there was like ring mail jewelry. There yeah. was, uh, collectibles, lots and lots of different collectibles. There was, um, a couple group or a couple tables that I saw were like smaller things. There was one, um, he was a retired senior chief and him and his brother now make t-shirts and like planning books and all kinds of stuff, uh, that like, uh, Navy chief kind of themed, which yeah. I was like, you guys know where you are? Yeah. <laughs> Any port in a storm? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, but they seem like uh, some people were interested. And you can definitely tell that community knows each other. We like we can see each other across the room and shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was really interesting. Um, a lot of artists, a lot of, like you said, handmade stuff. Yeah. I The one lady was doing the um, hand etched glass. Yes. Uh, that she was like, I do all this stuff by hand. So nothing is ever like the same. But it looked really, really good. Right. Right. I thought yeah, yeah. it was done. If not knowing anything about glass edging, uh, I would have thought that she um, had a machine that did it. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was all very clean. The lines were done really well. Like, excellent stuff. 
Um, there was uh, another guy who was who did like coasters and stuff like that in resin. Yes, um, he so, had a ton of them too. Like, I mean, if you could think of the fandom, you could find the coaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. There were there were a couple handmade dice dealers there. Not not a whole lot. I kind of expected more actually. Um, and then there were a couple. Um, there were a couple doing doing cool like craft stuff. Uh, like one of the that one lady we saw towards the very end that had. She was doing like the shadow boxes with the like in case of dragon yes. break glass. Like, yes, I need to get a you need to get a hold of her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those those stuff like that's really cool, and I feel like that's kind of stuff you don't see every day. Right, right. I think that's where a lot of these, like I said, the local small cons are a great opportunity. Like if you've got a game room or something like that, and you're looking for something special to hang on the wall. Um, I know a lot of my art that's in our game room here. Um, came from either con or running across one of these kind of, you know, off to the side. Nobody heard uh, that one. I'm definitely I need a in case of dragons break glass and it's got the, yep, the, the full set of dice. In right. It. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, um, it was really good. Um, glad we went because we were we weren't sure <laughs> that would that was another rough weekend. But we did make it there. And I mean, it was cool to kind of get out and kind of support our own local con because that's the only way they get any bigger or any better. You get, uh, you know, more people. Tea Turtle was there. Yeah, <laughs> I did get I did give me a new shirt. It was awesome. We'll uh, we'll post pictures. Who else that was big? Uh, Dungeon Dice was there. Yeah, they're pretty big. Like I didn't expect to see something like that. They had some really cool con exclusive sets too. I like some of their prismatic glass sets that they had. Yes, uh, they they were very cool looking. A lot of sharp edge dice. Yeah. Um, like I said, other than them though, there weren't any other like strictly dice vendors. There were a few people who had some handmade pieces. Um, but apparently dice making is very difficult. Who knew? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I expected to see kind of more of that. I, I mean, honestly there, I feel like there was kind of a market there for like handmade gaming accessories. Oh yeah, definitely. Like there were, there were accessories and yeah. there was art and things, but it was less kind of pitched towards the gaming side. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like somebody who could, like come in and do that uh, would definitely make a killing. I think so. I think so. Like, well, like the guy we saw from PAX that was making his own out of like the board, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And if you've got a 3D printer, yeah, you could put some stuff in there. Like there was a 3D printer, a booth that they, all they did was 3D printed stuff. Yeah. But most of it, they had like a couple of dice towers. Yeah. But I think a lot of it, that was the same guy I think who did the swords it was. and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a lot of bigger pieces. Right, a lot of busts of characters. Yeah, like that, that one, the one booth that I really thought was cool was the one who had all the different weapons. Um, they were like in the foam. Yeah, the foam yeah. Weapons. They yeah. had made all the the different like iconic video game and anime character weapons out right, of foam. Right. They had um, like, I know I, I recognized Destiny and I recognized a lot of stuff from uh, Overwatch. Yep. Um, some Apex weapons yep. from there those video Halo games. Stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, just like across the board, there were a bunch of swords that I can only assume were anime swords because they didn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> that looks like it's going to hurt me with that. Yeah. So, um, but no, it, it was really cool. I, I really liked that booth. Like just the amount of stock they had and the options was really cool. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite cosplays I saw was the cosplay repair guy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a hero. We got to stop and see uh, our friend that was on uh, the show a couple episodes ago, Viva Valentina. She's real big into this con. Like, she helps out with it. And she actually does the judging for the 
costume contest for the children, the adults, and then a group contest. And she had had a minor malfunction, like nothing revealing or anything, just a piece yeah. that was loose. And this guy walks by in the cosplay, the cosplay repair T-shirt, and we all flagged him down. And uh, he had a couple ways to fix it. He had options. Yeah. So I like that. So he went to his utility belt, whipped out a safety pin. Everything was fixed. Yeah, I did like there were a lot of people. Like there are a lot of people who showed a, up in costume. There, yeah. This yeah. one's a big for this area is like a big draw to the cosplay community. Yeah. And I really think next year I'm putting together a uh, Warhammer 40k Inquisitor cosplay. Because I got a whole year to get this done. So we will keep you updated. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was really cool. There were a lot of really like unique costumes. Uh, there were a lot of really well done costumes, like for sure. Um, there were a couple of Jack Sparrows wandering around, you know, and they were doing the walk, too, which right, was even funnier. Because right, you got to. Yeah. Um, yeah. All in all, I like I had a really good time. Uh, it was nice to kind of see the community come back out again in yeah. force after yeah. so long of not being able to. And in October, uh, here in our local area, we have one more. Um, it's a, even, it's a little bit smaller, uh, than Ham or than Tidewater. It's the Hampton comic con, which Hampton, Virginia is up across the, the water. Um, uh, it depends. It's normally 30 minutes away from us, but traffic on that godforsaken bridge is <laughs> double that at least. If, if you all drive across that bridge, please do not be one of the people who stops in the tunnel. Right. The HRBT is a bridge that goes to a tunnel so ships can get out over top of it. And for some reason, the 55 mile an hour people go down to 30 when they're under the water. I don't know if they know what's going on or. Oh, it's infuriating. <laughs> it's in, I, I go. There is a five mile backup on that bridge every Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's crazy. And then the mornings are just miserable. Yeah, miserable. Yeah. But anyway, Hampton Comic Con is uh, is a lot of fun. It's worth the drive. It's worth braving the bridge <laughs> once you get over there. Um, but it's kind of the same sort of thing. It's definitely smaller. We went last year. Uh, yep. They had it back open. We actually went last year and took mom with us. Yeah. Um, and it was a good time. Like a, a lot of the same sort of thing, though, where it's a lot of local artists. It's a lot of local shops. Um, it really is the local community getting involved and yeah. putting on the con themselves for the most part. Um, but there was a lot of cosplay in that, too. Uh, we're hoping this year we put in an application for a table, yeah. for a podcast table. So we might be doing our official uh, public debut at Hampton Comic Con. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. By yeah. then we'll be at, I don't know, like episode 24. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> weeks work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're we're hoping to get approved and get a table up there. Um, it'll be nice just to... Uh, hang out and meet people, really. Right. Uh, we might have some cool stuff to give away or stuff to sell. We don't know yet. Um, it kind of all hinges on whether or not we get approved. Um, but yeah, so if uh, obviously we'll keep you all updated. If we do get a table, we'll definitely put it out on our social media and things like that to uh, invite you all to come say hey. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Looking forward to that. Even if we don't, we're still going to be at the con. Right. So, you yeah. know, one way or another. Right. I'm also excited this summer. We should have a lot of Kickstarters coming in. So we should have lots of games, like we need new games. Um, but we will, we do have a lot of games coming in. Um, Heroes of Arcadia yep. uh, is supposed to be coming in, uh, which looks like a fantastic game uh, You where you have pint, basically pint glasses and you fill with whatever you would like to drink. Um, and when your hero takes damage, you take drinks. So you have to keep them filled uh, keep your hero alive. Uh we have uh, Marvel Dice Throne should be coming in soon. Yeah, that one looks really good. Now that we've seen 
I got to see more of the heroes from a few videos that were put out a couple weeks ago. So yeah. excited to see that. I'm excited to see the box that it comes in because yeah. the production art that they put out like early, early, like the whole case together looks fantastic. So I'm always a fan of that guy's art anyway. So um, it'll be nice to see all that put together. Um, I I think that's all we got for the summer right now. Right. But hopefully, hopefully, Marvel Zombies ships in October. At least part of it. Yeah, it, I, I'll take that first box. Um, so hopefully that all goes smoothly. Hopefully the world is getting back on track again, um, barring the extreme inflation. Um, but hopefully that we don't have another, you know, world shutdown pandemic kind right. of thing. So that'll <sighs> be that'll be exciting to see if that does come in. Um, we will probably, I don't know, do like three episodes on that at least. Um, I mean, it'll just, take three episodes just to name all the damn characters that are in it. <laughs> well, not the first box, but we'll have to wait till next year for that part. <laughs> so other than that, I mean, I haven't really been doing anything else. Uh, we did get to, we did get to play some Unmatched, and I picked up a new version of it or a new box because uh, we'd got Bigfoot versus Robin Hood. Yeah, we picked that up at PAX. At PAX, finally sat down and played it. Uh, me and the girlfriend played. It was a lot of fun. Um, so far, Bigfoot has been the clear winner, but I think that's just because Bigfoot's easy. Like, all you do is run towards people and hit them with, like, a tree, um, where Robin Hood's got a little bit more finesse to it. So yeah. we went in and picked up the next box, which was Beowulf and Little Red Riding Hood, and we're going to get to play that one. And if you don't know, if you haven't played it, Unmatched is like a dueling game, um, and your characters are from folklore and fiction. Uh, there's... A box set. The Cobble and Stone one is the one that we want to get next. That's the good one with Sherlock Holmes, The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But then they have other, like they've got some that are based on Jurassic Park. They've got some that are based on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So it's a lot of different characters that you can go one-on-one with each other. Really cool game. Really cool concept. The original box, I think, was what? Sinbad, Medusa, Achilles. Um, Really cool that they're just, they're, they're pulled from everywhere. Yeah, it's one that I still need to play. I haven't had a chance to sit down and play yet. This game looks really fun. Um, I had watched some reviews on it before um, because it was often compared with um, the Funkoverse games. That's what I heard, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. They said that they were very similar in the style of game, played differently because this one was much more like realistic type art. Obviously, Funko uses the pop figurine right, style. Right, right. Um, so... Uh, excited to get this one to the table for me to try. Um, definitely want to take a look at it. Um, but yeah, so um, let's see what what else have we been playing? And uh, I broke out Marvel Champions again because it's been a while, and I forgot how much I enjoyed that game. Um, I, I now I now have gotten everything up to the last two hero packs, and then the new Spider Verse box set that just came out. Because yeah. that, that was what kind of spurred me. I saw a video on it uh, by the guys over at Covenant Gaming. Um, they put out on the new Spider-Man box set that came out with it. And it includes the um, the Sinister Seven. Uh, or at least some of them. Yeah, because I was going to say all of them? Rhino is already... He was in the core box. So, That's right. Yeah, he already exists. But it's got uh, Doc Ock. It's got uh, Venom. Green Goblin already was in the set. So he's not in there. Um, but yeah, so it looked really exciting. So the playable heroes in the box set are the Miles Morales Spider-Man, uh, and Ghost Spider, which is 
uh, the Gwen Stacy version of Spider Woman. Um, so, but they look really cool. They have a lot of really cool abilities. They're still even after what it's been two, three years now. Mm-hmm. It's, it might even be longer than that because Boardwalk keeps calling me every time a new thing comes out. Even though I have not been to Boardwalk, which is a game store in South Carolina, in years, they they call me every time a new thing comes out for Marvel Champions. It's like, hey, we got you a copy if you want to come pick it up. And I'm like, man, I don't live there anymore. And he's like, cool, I'll take you off the list. And then they'll call me the next <laughs> time. The so I told my people at that work for me at my job, guys, that's the kind of customer service that I want from you. <laughs> But anyway, um, the set looks really good. I am amazed that even after all this time, they are still pushing the design boundaries of this. Right. Right. Um, and in spite of what anyone says, I feel like Fantasy Flight, one of their strongest suits are the card games they've done. Yeah, definitely. Because they've also done Arkham Horror LCG, I was gonna which say is still going strong and is an excellent game if you are into like the whole Cthulhu horror, horror type thing, which is not something that really appeals to me. Um, this definitely is more my jam. Right. Um, but they also did the Lord of the Rings one, which was very good for a while. Um, and they're talking about being the ones to kind of resurrect Cyberpunk, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, yeah we'll see um, how that goes. So, um, yeah, the, the villains in this box were Sandman, Venom, Mysterio. Um, yeah, so definitely cool, awesome, like, villains that you get to play. It just it drew me back in. So <laughs> I haven't bought the box set yet, but I've been, like, retuning some of the decks that I had made going through i had i had things that i hadn't sleeved yet so i've been doing that i need to buy more sleeves it happens yeah yep. yeah but no it's it's a really good game if you guys have not tried it again marvel champions you can pick up the uh core box set from barnes and noble now has it anywhere else has it your local game store i'm sure has it yeah pick it up there are i think five playable um yeah, I think five play five or six playable characters in the original box plus the three villains you play against. Um, so, like a lot of replayability just in the core box. Then you can buy the individual heroes in their own little packs that are excellent. They just add cards into the game, basically. Right. Um, I have two like large cases full of cards now. Um, I do like that it's a living card game, which means it, it's not random what you're going to get in booster packs. You get the cards that are in the pack, period. Yeah. Got, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, excellent game. So that's kind of what I have gone back to recently. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So. All right. Well, we're going to get started with the show and um, we're going to talk some crowdfunding. Saturday night at the arcade, silver coins in my hand, ready to make some damage. So we're kind of fans of the crowdfunding uh, websites. Being in the gaming community right now, everybody that I talk to that plays board games or TTRPGs, all of them have this kind of love-hate relationship with Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I think either you are one of the people like us who... I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's multiple groups of people. I don't want to group everybody into two. But 
Um, I feel like it's kind of polarizing in that you have the people who who like love Kickstarters, thinks it's a great platform, uh, and then you have the people who are like, I will never back a Kickstarter game ever. Probably a person who got burned. And I feel like we're kind of somewhere in the middle, though. Like, we don't feel like we have to back Kickstarter games, but there is a certain level of excitement that kind of surrounds them. Yeah. Um, I, I mean... <laughs> Example A, Your Honor, Marvel Zombicide, um, <laughs> that we are now in for, um, in case anyone is keeping track, it's $823. How to get up to Oh, shipping. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, which, if we want to start with our controversy, we can start right there. Um, because original quoted cost for shipping, I don't know if you remember this number. I distinctly remember this number. It was going to be... 30 to 50 dollars for an all-in pledge right right yeah yeah that magic number somehow grew to 180 dollars well the supply chain sucks right now uh for one gas is double what it was back then i mean and that's the thing that we're going to talk about i mean what is ethically right when you're somebody that's putting something on kickstarter so I think this would, I mean, this would be a great conversation to actually have with the guy at BA Games. Yeah. Maybe we'll bring it up with them at some point. But since they're not here. Um, <laughs> We're just going to wing it. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, so that was, that was one of the first like mo- recent controversies was that hike in pricing of shipping, which, I mean, to be fair, it has been talked about quite a bit of how just the cost of a shipping container has more than tripled or quadrupled since the pandemic and things kind of got crazy. Right. Now, whether that is just straight corporate greed or like it's legitimately more because of, I don't know, reason A, B, or C, that could be argued all day. I'm not a person who knows. I'm not in the shipping industry. I can't speak to that. All I can say is that it is a known fact that the cost of shipping goods has gone up tremendously. Right. Um, and we all know a game like Marvel Zombies is manufactured in China um, because cheaper. Um, and with that amount of minis, cheaper. Um, it's going to take a lot to ship it anyway. Right. When the guys from BA Games were here and they talked about their game, Cult of the Deep, um, Ed was talking about you know you the way that it works right now for most games is that you've got like a husbanding agency somewhere over in Europe and they're talking to a distribution warehouse somewhere in China um, and you're like going through maybe three or four languages to get there. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the standard because like you said, there's cheap labor over there. Yeah. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of things have changed in the past few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the, I mean, we can see it in the cost of goods across the board with just the level of inflation, which by the way is not only in America. So please do not think this is an American problem Yeah, because yeah. it is worldwide. Right. Um, and so I think that that is something that has to be kind of passed down. Now, uh, is $180 too much? Maybe. Was I going to lose my $400 over that shipping charge? Hell no. Yeah, right. Like, if anything, I doubled down and we <laughs> like we went all in. It's going to be a little bit more. I got you! Yeah. So, but again, um, uh, that's kind of where we're at, where... Kickstarter now, when it was a, kind of originally started, 
um, existed as this way for projects to be funded that would have no other way to be funded. Right, right. Because Kickstarter is not just games. Like we focus real heavily on the game side, and I'm sure that yeah. is a huge chunk of what they do. But I mean, I've had a friend of mine who funded her novel through Kickstarter, and there's technology um, projects out there, yeah. and I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You can get lost in Kickstarter. Oh yeah, real easy. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we focus real heavily on the gaming side because that's why we do this podcast. Right. And um, so if you don't know how the Kickstarter model works, so they have a funding goal that they look to reach. If the project does not get funded within the amount of time, then then the money does not get charged. Right. So um, also, if the project gets canceled before the money is collected, the money does not get charged. Keep that in mind. That'll come up later. Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of, a lot of Kickstarter projects don't make it. Um, and that was actually one thing Ed, I think mentioned when we had him on was a lot of people's first time at Kickstarter doesn't get off the ground. Right. We've seen several that we've looked at where they don't reach that funding goal. And if that happens, they're all pretty much, it's pretty much an all or nothing. Like if you don't hit that goal, you don't go forward. Yeah. That's it. And I was talking to, or I was watching a video on, um, the guy who did uh, Skulk Hollow and just recently had a um, a Kickstarter for his new game Mall Peak. Um, it's a asymmetrical like two player game, right? Um, and he was talking about how all the things he learned from his first Kickstarter um, and how how difficult it is now, even having that knowledge, trying to have another successful Kickstarter. Um, just because of the all the costs and the way that things are in constant flux, right? Because used to you could get a shipping estimate and it would be good for six months, yeah. Like because things did not move that rapidly, and then the pandemic hit and everything went crazy, and now all of a sudden you might be quoted one price one day, and that price is good for like a week, maybe. Yeah, yeah at at best. Um, I mean, we saw it, I, I work in retail and mainly dealing with like lumber and building material commodities and same thing happened with us. Like we would give a quote out to a customer and they had, I think it was five days to buy it. If not, we would have to requote whatever their project was. And it's just because everything was in such a crazy flux that, um, I mean, you look at stuff like the price of a sheet of OSB. Like when we were growing up, like for, you could, you for could those buy of you that may not know, OSB is Oriental Strand Board. Uh, <laughs> some people call it press board, but it's just a big four by eight sheet of plywood that's a bunch of different wood that they press together. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, so when we were growing up, you could pick up a sheet for like four or five bucks. Yeah. 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 That stuff was all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going price today, I believe, is like thirty nine sixty three. Yeah. Um, and that all. Like that's happened within the past couple of years. Right. Like it hasn't been like a gradual creep over the 30 years of my life. Like we're talking when I came up here, when I moved up here, you could get it for like $12, $13 a sheet. Yeah. So that, that $20 bump per sheet has happened recently and it's across the board. So now we look at these Kickstarter projects and some of these things have been in development for years. I was going to say when you back a project, like, it's something like the average wait time is almost always at least 12 months. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So if you've never backed one, you 
yeah, that's you, you'll back it. And what we do is we back them and then forget about them. Um, and then one day it's like, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> Something shows up on your doorstep. Yeah, yeah when those developer updates come out, you're like, oh, you shipped it. Hey, I'm going to get one. Um, but yeah, so these these projects that we're looking at Kickstarter now, I mean, it's, it's getting better now than it was before. But there were a few of them that kind of got stuck in the limbo of, is my project going to get made? Is it even going to get shipped? Right. Like, is the factory going to be shut down for the next month and a half due to COVID and all those things? So, but what's crazy now is this, this platform has moved from a way of like new developers to really like throw their first game out there into the water and see how it hits. Right. To now companies have this as their main like business model. Right. Like, uh, come on games. I mean, how many games have they ran through? I don't even know if they've done one without a Kickstarter. Not, I don't think they have in a long time. Right. Um, and cause they were kind of the first ones to really make it big on Kickstarter. They yeah. were the first ones to really come in. And I mean, a lot of the way that Kickstarters are ran now can probably be like pointed back to the way that they do things. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you're talking about stretch goals and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know they love their stretch goals. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that, that Hook does with Marvel Zombies. Um, <laughs> they, kept, they just kept giving they just more kept stuff. They just more characters. And I, just, I love characters. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So, you obviously, it's a platform that you can do that with. Um, and, I mean, you still have, like, stuff like Ed and his brothers, that you still have those smaller projects that can get funded on here. Sure, yeah. So yeah. I, I think that speaks a lot to the versatility of the platform. Um, but then we get to the question of like ethics. Yeah. Like, like what can you do as a, a company who is launching their product on Kickstarter? Like what is okay? What is not okay? Now to preface all this, it, we are just two guys who have opinions. Take them as you will. Uh, we enjoy games. We enjoy backing them on Kickstarter. We enjoy all these different things. So we have some ideas, some kind of thoughts on this. Now, this is by no means something that um, we are saying you have to agree with or disagree with. You can do whatever you want. Um, just some things that we've kind of observed from the community and noticed. Right. Yeah. This is kind of just our discussion on it. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to put it out there and bring people in that are interested in it um, and we can go from there. I think the big question is for me is as a company, what is your responsibility? Cause like we said, things change um, especially like the shipping costs, but that could also be production costs could change. Um, I think the number one thing is, is don't promise something you can't deliver. Right. Um, which for all the ones that we've ever backed, um, I've been happy. Yeah. Like what I was got exactly what um, I was expecting. Um, but I know there are other projects out there. I've read about like horror stories. Yeah. Um, there are, there are blacklisted companies. Like, so if you, if you follow like some of the social media, um, like Reddit pages, of course, um, like the board game Reddit page, they, they often have posts about like new Kickstarters that are coming out. And if you go through the comments, a lot of times like that company did this game and that fulfillment was God awful. Right. So do not like back this project. Like, yeah. Enter at your own risk type thing. Right. So, I mean, cause with Kickstarter, so this is where it gets a little shady 
Because once the Kickstarter is funded, then technically and it's it's a technicality, but the developer could just take the money and run. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was so, gonna I was gonna re- is there anything legally holding them to a So contract? there is a warning in Kickstarter before you back, like if you scroll through all the stuff, the mumbo jumbo, and you right, read right. it, um, Kickstarter as a website basically tells you that up front. And it's like, hey, we're just kind of the intermediary here. Um, this is not, <laughs> you are not purchasing a product. You are basically paying for an idea. Right, right. Which is important to understand. That's what you're doing. You, you're saying that you're going to believe in this idea and you're willing to throw some money at it and with the hopes of getting something out of it in the end. Yeah. But that's not guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, so ethically, businesses, though, that use the Kickstarter model will often feel like they're fulfilling their stuff. Right. One, because it looks really, really bad if you don't. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not something that you want, especially as a new company coming in. Yeah. Like, yeah, not only did their game suck, but it took them like two years to get it to me. Yeah, that's why if you look at every single Kickstarter page has risks and challenges section yep. that's done by the person putting on the Kickstarter. Right. And in that section, they are supposed to outline whether or not one, they think they can even like provide the game. Right. Secondly, like what they think some of the challenges are going to be and that sort of thing. So uh, definitely uh, not a like constant Kickstarter person, um, you may like skip past that part to check out everything else. Um, but definitely something just to take a look at, especially if it's not a company that you are very sure of. Right. If they don't, if they're a new company, if there's something you're not, you've never heard the name before, it may be a good idea to read through and see what you're getting yourself into. Um, by no means are, are we ever saying either that uh, Kickstarter doesn't, work or it's not a good idea because i mean the last five years has seen a pretty substantial revolution in the board gaming industry like like people play games now people people play board games people play you know ttrpgs people are backing projects all the time um i have a friend of mine who we both you know laugh back and forth like oh look what are we backing this month you know um so we're just saying you need to know how it works because that's what you're getting yourself into. You very well could invest in it and the project fall through. Yeah. And I think that because of what Kickstarter has become, I think that it is for the most part, I think it's a pretty safe bet. For them, yeah. Yeah. There are still, there are still questionable things out there that may or may not kind of fund or may not fulfill. Right. Cause that's another thing, but it's not very often that somebody takes the money and cuts and runs. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that's, that's more the exception to the rule, especially in the board gaming section. Yeah. And they talk about, um, one of the things that Kickstarter stresses is that creators are supposed to constantly update the backers and things like that. Um, And one of the things they say that they strive to have creators who cannot fulfill their projects to find some sort of solution for their backers, which whether that be like refunds or just like giving them a detailed description, how they use the money, like right things like that. Um, Now I remember, I don't remember the name of the project, but in one of the earlier years of Kickstarter, um, there was a project that I remember ran into some troubles. 
Um, they had everything kind of laid out. People backed it. It funded. They got the money. And then like halfway through, something happened to where they, they were not going to fulfill. And they had to go back to their backers for either more money or bust, basically. Wow. And first of all, I would hate to be a developer or a creator in that position. Yeah. Because that, that would be awful. Like... Yeah, so, especially since you're going to the internet for help, and we all know how <laughs> caring the internet can be. <laughs> yeah, um, so that was one of the things. Um, but in as we bring it back to today's world, um, you know, with specifically the shipping example, I one of the things and one of the things that they put out was a developer update about it and about how like the shipping cost was more than what was initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about how in every previous Kaman Kickstarter, they've lost money on shipping. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's like, the guy who put it out was like, we expect to lose money on this one as well, even with what they're charging. That's crazy. Yeah. But, but with, again, it's because shipping has gone. Yeah. Astronomical. Which Ed talked about that with us too. Yep. I don't remember if it was actually on the show or it was before we were recording, but he had said that, you know, they had done their shipping calculations and everything and that they were losing thousands of dollars of what they like that they should not be losing if their calculations were correct. But because things had changed so much, there was literally thousands of dollars they were going to be losing that they weren't going to pass on to the people who backed the game. Right. Which is cool. Like, I think that's great. But the difference is between like them being a new backer for one and the amount of games that they had to produce right versus come on who is in the hundreds of thousands of copies that they're having to produce right um and i i think that kind of makes a that makes a difference there too now come is a bigger company they obviously have eight shipping charges before but that's a lot of money to try and eat I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, they've got just having more product coming. They may get a little more wiggle room in it, but I mean, even still, when you're when you're bringing that much more, even if you're taking less of a hit in shipping, it's still a big hit yep. because of just the sheer, the sheer size of what yep, you're bringing in. Yep, quantity, yep. Yeah. Um, so how, one of the things I want to bring up, how do you avoid getting hit with this? So what... What we were ended up um, being stuck between was um, we had already basically paid the initial like all in pledge of 400 bucks or whatever. And that's when we found out what the shipping charges were actually going to be. So for us, it was okay. We were able to make it happen. And this is a game that like I 100 percent and behind all day long. Like, honestly, they could have charged me 300 bucks for shipping. I probably still would have tried to figure it out. Right. You know, um so at at what what can you do as a person who does not have access to that kind of money to kind of help avoid these um a lot of kickstarters have the ability to do a like a minimum backing yes um like a dollar or like a five dollar some some kind of small amount that just gets you into the um the pledge manager. Right. Because that, that's really where everything happens. Right. That's the part. After the Kickstarter is funded and successful, the pledge manager or backer kit yep. is Depending where... on which one they're using. Yep. Yeah. Is where you'll determine. You'll kind of like finalize what you're getting. Yeah. So what it does, whatever you 
you pledged in the initial Kickstarter gives they give you that amount of credit in the pledge manager. Right. Yeah. So then you can really decide what you want. You can add the stuff you want. Um, and then they also that's when they figure shipping charges and all that stuff. Sure. So um, that's one way to do it. And that's actually interesting because game found most of them. You can just access the pledge managers without having to put a backing in. Right. I saw um, that while I was looking through it because game found is the new. They've only been around for what a year or so. Yeah. <clears throat> but is a new crowdfunding uh, site that focuses primarily on gaming, board yep. games, TTRPG, stuff like that. Um, so they, I actually like that better about them, that you don't have to actually put money up on it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be a dollar anyway. Right. You know, whatever. But like, that's one way to kind of get around the surprise of shipping. If it becomes too much for you. Um, Cause especially now with as expensive as things are, uh, budgets are very important. And if, you don't have that room in the budget. Sometimes you just don't have that room. Right. Um, so you can kind of avoid that just by um, doing the single dollar pledge or the low level pledge. Right. Um, which brings us to the next kind of big controversy that's happened recently. Um, so there was a game that uh, had came out on Kickstarter. Uh, it is called, or what's called originally uh, Anunnaki Dawn of the Gods. Um this came out, it was funded within like a day, it seemed to be a really good project. Um, the creator canceled the project uh, pretty quickly and then put out a um, a message about why they canceled. So first off, canceling, when a creator cancels a project before the money like is collected, then no, like the pledges are just canceled. You don't got to worry about it, anything like that. Right, right. So nobody gets charged anything for it. The only people out of money are the creators and what they've done with actually starting the Kickstarter kind of thing. Um, they, what happened was they were getting, they noticed a couple of things. One, most of the people who were pledging to this were pledging at a low amount or were pledging just for like some of the special expansion stuff that they were putting out. Okay. Um, and one thing that they, they were worried about was that although they did fund, their funding goal was really low. Um, that was actually pointed out on a couple different forums on BGG um, about how for a miniatures game, this seems like a really low threshold, right? Yeah. It seems like it's going to be too good of a deal. Well, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of complaints and feedback about how the pricing points were a little bit too high. Like it just didn't really line up with kind of where the market was at. Um, so the creators took it down. Um, they did a lot of reworks in not only the pricing, but also what was available. Um, cause the model that they originally came out with, it was going to be rather expensive to kind of get an all in package. Um, and they took that down and they reworked everything and now it went back up. Um, in fact, as of the time of recording this, the Kickstarter is almost over. Um, it's only got seven days left to go. It is fully funded again. Right. Right. Um, which it, I think speaks volumes to that. People are still, they're excited about this game. Um, so they still want to see it funded, but, um, there were a lot of people who were angry about the way this happened. The cancellation. Yeah. And yeah. now 100%, these people who are angry about it 
lost nothing but the time that they invested in researching <laughs> say. and like pledging to this game. Sure. Which takes you all of a couple hours, maybe. If, if you really, really like, if you go in depth on them Quackalope videos, you know, what I was going to say, yeah, like, yeah. Um, so like, there's not a lot of time, but there were some people legitimately angry that they canceled the Kickstarter. Now, I, I don't know if those people, I mean, they might have been new to Kickstarter. They might not have understood what was happening. Like, you know, but the car, like the card you pledge to the Kickstarter with does not get charged until the campaign's over. Right. So it's not like they would be out of funds or anything like that. So uh, kind of bringing it all together, talking about ethics and Kickstarters, um, I would much rather have a campaign cancel before funding or before completing yep. and be reworked based on what the people are like asking them to do. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that feels like they were taking like that direct feedback and looking at their own numbers and realizing that for them to have the delivery that they want, they like, like misfigured the mark and it wasn't going to be what they wanted it to be. Um, and like you said, they did come back and rework it. And it is funded again, and it looks like it's going to make it, um, like, all the way through. Um, and they've got their numbers right, and they're able to put out the game that they want to put out. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to remember, that a lot of these games are not just, like, they're not cookie-cutter things from, like, some big company. Right, which is why we back them. Yeah. Give me something new, yeah. right? And, and I think that's important to remember that, behind each one of these kickstarter projects is a developer there's a publisher there's artists that have put how many hours of work into doing the art for these projects i mean there are people that they probably their family members that they probably conscripted to play test how many times <laughs> in this game right all all these people are behind the like the way this kickstarter the iteration that we are seeing on this back end. Yeah. And there is still tons of design and development that goes into it after the Kickstarter is over. But just even for this initial like push, just to get the funding needed to finish it off. Right. Like that goes like, there are so many people there. So uh, I think it's important to remember, you know, a, a sort of humanity piece that there is a person behind the screen that cares about this game. Right. Right. And I, I feel like for the most part, especially like small developers, I mean, it was really cool that we got to meet the guys from BA Games um, and talk with them about it because, like, being able to put a face with that company, like, is really cool because right. it's not, it's not like thirty people in an office like figuring out this game. It's a dude and his three brothers like that are following a dream that they've had since they were little kids together. Yeah, you know, and I think that makes. Like it, it, sometimes it's hard to remember that in like the consumerism that we live in. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there are people that really care about these projects from a creative standpoint. Right. Right. And Not just the, I want my delivery and I want to play my game. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they have gotten this game from a simple idea that they had to developing it all the way out to where it's a product that they are selling to other people. Right. It's playable. It's got its ins and outs, you know, the whole nuance of everything that they've wanted has been worked out. The artwork, like you said, has been done. But by the time it's on Kickstarter, there's already money in this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, not to mention promotional materials that they've had made for it, like all kinds of different things. Like they, they have literally put like they put skin in the game. Yeah. Um, and to see you know a project succeed is a great. Like I, I, it's got to be a great feeling for them, even though now it means all right. There's more work to be done now. <laughs> right, we're a quarter of the way done with the work. <laughs> yeah, but to see, I mean, to see the backlash that some of these things have gotten, uh, it kind of. I mean, obviously it's the internet. Obviously, right. That's you know rule number one on the internet: don't read the comments. Yeah, but I, I think it's important to remember that behind each of these projects. Now, granted. Marvel Zombies probably has a team of like 57 people or something crazy. Um, but even then, they did a lot of really cool videos with the designers as they talked through some of the characters and the design choices and things like that. And you realize that, all right, Simon is a pretty big company, but they still have this little design team as the one that's involved in this. Right. And they're still doing this because they love the game. And I think that that's something to consider when you start looking at these projects um, and start trying to decide whether or not you want to back them. And to be completely honest, for some people, Kickstarter is just not for them. Yeah, you got to. This is a very much a um, like this is a like a luxury commodity, like to be able to back games like this. Yeah. And because most of these games will have a retail version, mm-hmm. you'll be able to pick it up in about a year. Right. And you can get it from your local game store at, you know, whatever the cost is set at. Um, and that's perfectly okay. If that's the way that you want to be, that's perfectly fine. If you want to back Kickstarters, that's perfectly fine too. It's a slippery slope, yeah. but <laughs> it's, it's perfectly okay. Um, yeah. Whichever way you want to enjoy the hobby. Um, I just think it's very important to remember that you know there are people there are real people designing these games um and that they care about the games they're designing right and it's great to see especially in this case with um anunnaki to see them have enough care for the feedback they're getting from their game to take a step back pull the project rework it and then come back with it right because that you know that that's going to cost them time and money as well to do that but they're yeah. wanting to do it right and i think yeah. that speaks volumes for the team behind it yeah so um closing up you know kickstarter ethics um there are a lot of things that go into that there are a lot of gray areas i feel like just with the platform in general yep um but i think there's a lot of potential there um i i think that there's a great opportunity for companies that would never be able to have their game hit the shelf are able to do it because of Kickstarter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, like this revolution that we've seen in board gaming over the last like five, 10 years, I think Kickstarter is a huge part of that because of those people are getting their stuff out there, yep. you know, right next to the big names. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. So there you go, guys. Um, just a talk that we wanted to have about Kickstarter, about crowdfunding, um, and just kind of in general, remember when you're on the internet, you don't have to be an asshole. Um, <laughs> There are other people out there, too. It's not a requirement. Don't be all crazy <laughs> keyboard warrior out there, guys. Give people a chance. Um, and for the most part, you're usually um, rewarded for that.
And now, the newly dubbed Crowdfunding Roundup. We've got a couple projects today, and we're going to actually pull our first project from the GameFound website. Like we said before, we were looking for a new name for our Kickstarter Roundup, and we're going to branch out a little bit. Um, Kickstarter, like we talked about earlier, is still like the big daddy in crowdfunding right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But GameFound is making some changes in how uh, they do their crowdfunding, and we were interested to keep track of that. So we're going to track some of those projects and tell you about them as well. Yeah, there's quite a few new projects that are hitting GameFound instead of Kickstarter. Obviously, it's the company's choice which one they go with. Um, There are a couple things that I do like about GameFound over Kickstarter. Uh, Usually the fact that you can get into the um, pledge manager without having to actually pay anything with GameFound, which is nice. Um, But other than that, they're basically doing the exact same function. So let's hop right into it. So the three projects we have for you today, uh, one of them is a storage solution for the Unmatched game. Uh, Then we have the new game out coming by Leader Games. Uh, And then lastly, the game collection from uh, BoardGameTables.com with the new expansions coming out for those. So let's hop right in with the Unmatched storage and accessories. So you can find this one on GameFound. What this is, is a storage system for the Unmatched game series. We talked a little bit about it earlier. We were starting to try it out. And what Unmatched is, it is a um, kind of one-on-one, or I think they can do two-on-two now. It's like a dueling game, but your characters are taken from history, from mythology, from pop culture. There are heroes that you can play like Beowulf and Little Red Riding Hood. They got Sherlock Holmes. They got Dracula. They just came out with the Hell's Kitchen set, which is Daredevil, Daredevil. Bullseye, and Elektra. So all of these, they go together in like this one-on-one or two-on-two type combat game uh, that plays on a like a map. And then each one of them have different cards that represent their abilities. They have each one is special abilities. Um, so they all play their asymmetric, which is awesome. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of different stuff. But right now, I think it's up to like seven or eight different boxes. That's right. Um, That's right. There's you, a couple if you of have them. everything. So right. yeah, there's the Jurassic Park boxes. There's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You can even get a single of Bruce Lee, um, mm-hmm. which is on my hit list that I need to pick up for sure. There's also a Daredevil single one, or not Daredevil. I'm sorry, Deadpool. Um, yeah, I saw him the other day at the store, which in traditional Deadpool fashion, ridiculous. Yeah. So that's a lot to carry. That's a lot to store. And this is a project that's actually coming from Restoration Games, which is the same guys that are publishing the Unmatched uh, series. And what it is, is they call it the Battle Box. It basically gives you these little plastic boxes for you to store everything that you need for that character. So the minis that go with it, if it has any um, uh, henchmen that kind of go with it, all of their cards, all of their life point counters, everything will go nice and neatly into this little bitty box. They look great. They're black with like a clear uh, top on them, so you can see which characters are in there. Yeah, so they have a couple different things. You can buy the individual cubes for characters, which they say it can fit two characters in each cube if you're trying to keep space down, Right. uh, which is cool. Um, Or you can do go all out and just have one character per cube. Um, So they right now with the the, um, GameFound project here, they... You pledge at a, a zero dollar, and then you just add on the things that you want. Right. Um, right. So they have the cubes come in a four pack if you buy them individually for twenty bucks, which is not terrible, um, especially the way they look. Um, you'll you'll be able to take a look at these immediately and know what you have in the box, uh, which is will make it easier trying to choose characters. Uh, the battle box, which you mentioned earlier, is actually a larger box that will hold twelve of the cubes. 
Um, and it comes with 12 cubes when you buy the box. Right. And that's for 60 bucks. So probably for most people who are not all out collectors of this, that's going to be probably all that you need. Um, especially if it you double quantity of the, the cubes and put two characters in them, then you'll have plenty of space for 24 characters, which is probably most of what's out there right now. Now, they, they do have a note in there um, in this campaign that says the T-Rex will not fit in one of the cubes, uh, mainly because she cannot be contained. Um, also, because it's a huge mini. Yeah. So um, that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, but all the other characters should fit just fine within the cubes. Um, if you are planning on buying everything that they have for the Unmatched series, um, you can actually get a three or four pack of the battle boxes. Um, so, again, that's 12 cubes per box. Um, and then they even have a couple bags as well that you can pick up. Uh, one bag is specifically for the cubes. Uh, it will hold nine cubes in the bag. It's actually divided inside of it. Uh, that bag's 40 bucks. And then they have the brawl bag, which will hold, I believe it's four or five of the actual battle boxes, uh, which is 50 bucks. So if you are a true, like, unmatched aficionado and have to have everything, then that's probably the bag for you. Right. There's a couple other things you can throw in there, too. They've got battle mats, uh, two double-sided mats. When you uh, when you get one of the boxes, you do get a double-sided board to play on. So these are um, some nice battle mats that could replace that. Um, there's the contest coin, which uh, heads and tails, basically. Um, looks really good. The art pack, where some of the artists that uh, did the work on this already went back and like redesigned it. And they also have their own sleeves, unmatched sleeves for the cards that look really good. Uh, one side of them is clear. And the other, it's cut out where you can see through it, but it says, in battle, there are no equals, which is kind of their slogan yeah. uh, for the game series. I, I do like the other option for the sleeve, too, that's just the framework, um, where you can still see the original art really clearly right. of the different cards. Because that's one of the really cool things that I like about this game is the card art that is different for each character. Um, kind of that, um, uh, not really minimalistic, but that art style that they do for each character is awesome. So I think being able to still showcase that while protecting the cards is is excellent. Right, right. So like we said, uh, this is one you can you can make your pledge at like a dollar, I believe it is. I just tried to do it. It said it'd be at least a dollar. Um, and then you add the pieces that you want in there. Yep. So uh, this is on GameFound as well. So once it has 19 days left, once it's finished, you should still have access to the um, backer kit to uh, order stuff as well. And the video that they have uh, kind of explains a little about what it is and what it uh, what their intention is. It looks like this is going to be a product that Restoration Games wants to keep going. So as more people buy into Unmatched, you can still get the um, this option uh, for your storage. Yeah, so. there was a question in the FAQ about whether or not this was going to be a retail um, product. And they said as of right now, it, it was not. Um, that it was just going to be through the Kickstarter, depending on how things went. Um, there will be extras from the Kickstarter that they have made that you'll be able to buy from restorationgames.com until they run out, but nothing that they have is guaranteed to be on there as of right now. Right. But uh, the goal was $5,000. They've exceeded that. They are at 115000 right now. Uh, so 2,300% funded. So, I mean, I think it's looking good. Yeah, yeah. So head over to GameFound and check that out. Um, if you're playing Unmatched, you want to get into it, it uh, looks like a really great storage solution. All right, so the next game that we got um, is going to be the new game coming out from Leader Games, which is called Arcs. Now, Leader Games is the same company that has done Roots in the past. Uh, they, they've also done Oath and Fort 
and Vast, I believe, is their other one. So obviously they're uh, one name game companies. Um, but no, they they've got, they've got a theme going. Yeah, they they have a very unique art style, um, which you do kind of see in in this game as well. Um, but their other ones were all very friendly, furry woodland creatures that were in a, a vicious war for the woodlands. Um, but yeah, this one is a kind of area control space battle um, that uses trick taking, which is something that is unique. I haven't actually seen that mechanic in this kind of uh, type of game before. Um, but coming from leader games, you can bet that it's going to be a very well developed game, um, as you can tell from the pedigree that they already have. Um, this game uh, has gotten a lot of reviews, so if you want to go look at it, there are tons of people talking about this um, as soon as, it, well, even before its project launched. Um, so if you want to learn more about it, there is plenty of media out there about it. Right. You can find it on Tabletop Simulator, Tabletop Battlegrounds, and from their Kickstarter, you can actually do a uh, download and play, or print and play, um, and download the rules and check it out yourself. Yep. So this is already at 10,000 backers. It still has 12 days to go. Um, it has pledged over a million dollars um, of its 100,000 goal. So it's it's definitely being funded. That was really no question. Um, but let's talk about the levels that you can pledge at. So the base game, um, just straight up, is a $60 pledge. Uh, now, this one does have the option of pledging a dollar to get access to the pledge manager later, which I do like. Um, so if you don't have the 60 bucks in 12 days, go ahead and pledge a dollar, and then you can pick it up as a late pledge later on. Um, so 60 bucks for the base game. That includes all the components you need to play. Um, it does include wooden components uh, for the ships um, and the characters in it. Uh, but if... Um, you go up, they have a $100 pledge um, that includes a campaign expansion, um, which allows you, gives you some missions and stuff like that to actually play through. Um, and going up to the $150 pledge, uh, this is the one that actually upgrades your miniatures into like sculpted plastic or resin miniatures. So it's up to you uh, if you don't like wooden pieces. Now, be notice they're not like just wooden blocks right yeah they, they're cut out and yeah. like they look good yeah um the thing that i really so the base game of arcs um allows you to play like a single game of arcs when you get to the hundred level uh, the hundred dollar pledge level you get the blighted reach campaign setting expansion right so basically you have those individual games you can play but you also play it on a much larger scale yeah. um of like a uh, uh like a campaign style so that's something to, to notice, too. Um, and that's not bad at the $100 mark, either. Um, and then, like you said, the 150 you get to upgrade all of your tokens. Yeah, so uh, right now they're looking at trying to fulfill uh, in December of next year. Yep, so December 2023. Um, so we will see. Uh, like I said, this is a, a well-vetted company. Like I, I believe that their games can be trusted. Um, they, if they may not be for you, of course, um, but I like the fact that it's on tabletop simulator. I'm sure there are groups playing it out there right now. Um, so if you want to go give it a shot, you can download the instructions for yourself, uh, do a print and play of it, or you can also, um, hop on there and, and give it a shot and take a look at it. All right. Next up the Caputo Sumo total mayhem and so much more. Yeah. So this comes from, um, the guys over at boardgametables.com. Um, 
it always confuses me when I see their name because they are just so much more than just board game tables. Right. Um, in fact, uh, when we saw them at PAX, they have their own booth set up with, I think, all four of these games um, out. So there are four games that they are have done expansions for that this Kickstarter for is uh, Kabuto Sumo, uh, Tour, QE, and Bytes. Um, all of these games um, are... They're not real heavy games, any of them, um, but they all are very different in the way that we uh, that they play. Um, my personal one that I am looking forward to is the Kabuto Sumo, which we saw at PAX last year. Uh, it's basically uh, reminiscent of the old coin pusher games um, where you pick a beetle that is um, representative of a certain kind of wrestler, and each one has their own special piece. Uh, which, depending on what they are, can be anything from a giant peanut to um, a set of like stag beetle horns or something like that. That kind of changes the way the game flows. And basically, you're trying to push your opponent's beetle off of the board. Um, it's very straightforward, very simple. Um, but they are coming out with the expansion for this one has some new um, characters in it that have the newer pieces and things like that. So just basically more stuff for this game. Um, so the one thing I do like about this Kickstarter, um, no matter which of these games you want, whether it's one, all of them or whatever, um, they have, um, the way they're doing is very, um, a la carte. So you can choose exactly what you want. Um, and even if you want to get the all in, which is 199 bucks, it gives you basically all the base games, all the original expansions, all the new expansions and all the promo items for the Kickstarter. Um, if you already have something and say you want to switch something out for like an extra expansion for a friend or something like that, they allow you to do that. Um, so they'll allow you to switch one big game for two like smaller items or two smaller items for a bigger item, like wh whatever it is, like you can kind of work back and forth and get exactly what you want out of the pledge, which I do think is, is really cool, especially with something like this that has four different games involved in it. Yeah. So, um, that one right there is, it only has a few days left. So if you want to get on that, go ahead and hop on. Um, it has eight days to go $414,000, um, over their $20,000 goal. Um, so that's definitely getting funded. Uh, when you're looking at the pledges, you can do a dollar pledge, um, just to get again in the, um, the pledge manager. Uh, then you can pick out exactly what you want and go from there. Uh, if you want to go with one of the bigger pledges off the bat, $89 will get you all of the new stuff, which is all the expansions, one for each game, as well as all the Kickstarter promos, again, ones for each game. Um, that is what the $89, and then the $199 gets you, of course, everything. Um, and then once the pledge manager comes out, that's when you can do the mix and match and exactly get what you want out of these. So um, being that it is the company that it is, you can also get one of their board game bags, which if you haven't seen them, you probably have not been to a larger convention uh, because these are probably one of the most popular bags I see carried around. Um, it really looks kind of like a duffel bag, basically, but it will hold some serious games. Um, so you can take a look at that as well. If you are doing the all-in pledge, you can actually do the all-in pledge plus a bag uh, for another 50 bucks. So there's, um, again... Well, I don't want to dive into all four of these games because it would take a while. Right. Um, but take a look at the Kickstarter. You can scroll down. There are videos on each one, playthrough videos, reviews, that sort of thing. Um, so take a look. If it's something that you might want, 
again, you can get just one game um, and the expansions and stuff for it, or you can mix and match however you want to. And they're looking at filling in December of this year, 2022. Yep. Awesome. Hey, and with that, we'll flip our cards. Bigfoot plays a massive six attack to Robin Hood's three defense. And Bigfoot stands victorious over the fallen Robin Hood. Hey, for the Dapper Meeple, I'm Jim. And I'm Josh. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at the Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>